Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by teaching pastor Clayton Keenan and executive pastor Eric Ferris. We've got a pretty lengthy passage today, so we're going to jump right into it. Clayton, you're walking us through the comma method today, so can you tell us what passage we're looking at? We're going to be looking at the very first chapter of Exodus. This is a new book we're starting this week, which is always exciting. It's a great time to jump into Bible reading. Exodus and is new? Exodus is new. There's, is the, there's 67 books in the Bible now? The, uh, well, oh, oh my goodness. There's, there's, there's been a new oh addition to the Bible, everybody. This just no, in. Da- it's like a dad joke. Funny. This, this just in in the Bible Savvy Podcast. There's a new entry. All right. So Take it back, Clayton. When, when we begin... Uh, a book for the first time in the reading. We this is the first time you've ever read Exodus. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, uh, Lucas, so... <laughs> can we kick Eric off the podcast how did, today? How did, how did he become an expert on this podcast if he's never read Exodus? So what we're doing uh, is this week we are actually offering a workshop on the Book of Exodus. Uh, it is available online. You can register for that at BibleSavvy.com. Uh, what we do uh, very often, especially when we come across a book that might be more challenging. <laughs> is that we uh, give an overview of that and give you a lot of context, a lot of information about how to read it. Uh, I'm not going to get into all that detail right now, but I will give you just enough for us to enter into this first passage here. Uh, Exodus is one of the five books of the Pentateuch, all of them written by Moses. And even though they're separate books and can be read as separate books, they really make a lot of sense if you just read them in order. The story continues. There's not really a gap between the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus. The, the events that it ends with is, is exactly where it picks up in the book of Exodus. So it's important to do that. And since we've just read Genesis, many of us, uh, that's uh, really helpful right here. And so one of the things that I recommend, actually, uh, this is a, a one of those kind of things as we go into observation that's uh, worth paying attention to, are connections between the passage you're reading and other parts of the Bible. And since Exodus is closely connected with Genesis, there may be things as we read this that you observe and say, hey, that sounds familiar because it came up in something we recently read. Um, And so that's one of the things to pay attention to. There are other things to observe, but go ahead and listen in. Um, The passage we're going to be reading is the first chapter of Exodus. We're going to skip a a portion. Uh, There's a a couple of stories about uh, the birth and growing up of Moses that we're going to skip those, and then we're going to get a summary statement at the end. The reason we're doing that is just because, especially when we've got kind of the longer Old Testament readings, sometimes you can't do the comma method on all of it because it's just very long. Um, And so very often what I'll do is I'll read the whole thing and then choose a section to focus in on and go through uh, the the normal Bible-savvy method with that. So that's what we're doing today. All right, so I'm today's reader, and I got to tell you guys, a few years ago, my mind was blown when I was uh, at a at a church in Cincinnati because there was a woman on staff whose father was the narrator for the audio Bible that I bought when I was a teenager. <laughs> you it, like hear its voice? It's like so. I had is that you got? So you know, <laughs> old school. Like I had uh, the all the books of the Bible on cassette. And you 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 could listen to it, and it was narrated by what's a cassette, Eric? Stephen Stephen B. Stevens. Yeah, that that kind of voice. I don't even know if I can do it. And she tells me that her father is Stephen B. Stevens, and I am so. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to go Stephen B. Stevens here for the first few oh, verses, gosh. and we'll 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 see how it goes. These are the names of the son of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family: Reuben, Simeon. Levi and Judah, 
Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Does that sound like a Bible narrator guy? I don't know what it sounds like. I don't know what it sounds like. How about like a random sidekick guy? Yeah, yeah. Now Joseph and all his brothers. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, all right, here we go. Sorry. All right. All right. Collect myself. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous, and if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country." So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were... Shifra? I think I said that right. And Pua? I need to say that like Stephen B. Stevens. Shifra and Pua. When you are helping the Hebrew women during the childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, Every Hebrew boy... That is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now skipping all the way to chapter 2, verse 23. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. All right, so let's start with the O and comma, observation, and we can do all kinds of observation, but why don't we begin with this particular kind of places where you see connections between this and other parts of the Bible, maybe in particular the book we just read in Genesis. The first one I see is when it keeps pointing out that no matter what happened, they kept on multiplying in number, um, which harkens back to God's promise and covenant with Abraham that I'm going to give you a large family and it's your family is going to bless every nation of the world. Yeah, when you when you read verse 7 and it says they were fruitful, they multiplied, they increased in numbers and became numerous. Um I I actually thought even further back than Abraham, it's when God makes the world and he says first to the animals and then he says to human beings, be fruitful and multiply and fill the world. But then again, he repeats that when he blesses 
Noah after the flood, when he blesses Abraham after that, he does he says the same thing to Isaac and Jacob. I will multiply you, make you fruitful, and have you increase. It's like God's creation blessing that he keeps passing on to his people because he wants them to live. You know, he wants them to be more. Yeah, I, I looked at uh, how the first few verses there name um, all of Jacob's family. Uh, it's just this, again, this reminder of who they were, uh, kind of who brought us to this point now. Yeah. Yeah, there's that, that lineage there. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking right now an- another connection, and this is where when I'm reading my Bible at home, uh, the Bible Savvy Plan, and you can't quite fully remember, you start flipping around in your Bible. like. And so the, the question I'm asking right now is, you remember when God told Jacob to go ahead and go down to Egypt? Like yeah. Joseph was Joseph was in leadership down in Egypt. The famine was happening. So they had to go down there and get food. And God was reassuring Jacob. Was part of that reassurance, go ahead and go down to Egypt. Did he say, like, your family's going to be in slavery there for a while, and then I'm going to bring you back? I'm, I'm he, trying to he look that He says you'll come back. But the place where it talks about slavery is in uh, when, when God talks to Abraham, uh, when he makes a covenant in Genesis 15. There's that whole scene, uh, maybe you recall this as, as, you know, a month and a half or so ago, um, Abraham makes this covenant and he cuts the animals in parts and he walks through the, the, the animals, it's a very weird scene where they make this covenant, and uh, when God makes the promise, he says, I'm going to give you this land, but first, your family's going to go to Egypt, they're going to be enslaved and mistreated, and 400 years later, so this is, this is kind of one of those like, oh my gosh, this is this is in the promise four hundred years later of slavery, um, but yeah, there is that that what's happening here is something that Genesis already kind of you know God had already mentioned like this is coming. Oh yeah, so okay, so I went I went back to Genesis forty six is where God says I am God the God of your father. Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you and will surely bring you back again. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. you're reading in Exodus and it's saying they most certainly were becoming a great nation, which is what the Pharaoh was afraid of. These people are becoming too numerous. If they wage war on us, this could be a problem. Yeah. Um, and then no matter what he did to stop it, it just kept happening. It just kept coming. If you are reading this and saying, man, I didn't make any of those connections to other parts of the Bible, uh, two things. First of all... Um, the more you read the Bible, the more these things will will stick in your mind. So maybe the first time you ever read Genesis was with us during Bible Savvy, or maybe you're just jumping in, you didn't read Genesis, so you didn't know that. It does not stop you from understanding the passage, but the more you read, the more those connections make it feel richer and fuller. It's like uh, jumping into a movie that's maybe part of a series or something like that, and you're like, well, I don't I don't know who that superhero is, you know, but, but I haven't seen that movie. You can still enjoy the movie. But it gets more interesting if you know that, that sort of thing. The other way of figuring these things out is very often these sorts of things are in the footnotes of a study Bible. Even if you don't have a study Bible, if there is a direct reference to another part of the Bible, uh, there are there are footnotes that either are kind of in the middle or on the bottom that will have a little reference. And if you look those up, you'll often see something that's connected. Yeah, and if you don't have a study Bible, you know what you should do? Go get one. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, so we recommend the NIV study Bible regularly at Christ Community. One, because we just we stick with the NIV in most of our public settings just because we find it helpful if everyone's kind of reading from the same translation. So we always say the NIV study Bible because it's a good translation of the Bible, plus 
it has all the really good tools inside of it that we keep talking about, like intros to every Bible so you can understand context and study notes at the bottom of the page and those little cross-reference numbers that Clayton was just talking about that will have you jumping around uh, to, to various things and making connections. Uh, but there are other good study Bibles out there, um, so you just have to you know go online. But for, for sure, we know... The NIV Study Bible is a good is a good solid choice, and we don't make any royalties from Zondervan Publishers for saying that. But you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, we really need some sound effects for our podcast. I don't have my phone handy to play the <laughs> sound effects. Become, brought to you by Zondervan. But Zondervan should probably oh sponsor our podcast since we keep keep trumpeting the NIV Study Bible. This is amazing. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to an observation. Yet another observation, I'm, Nikki. Yeah. Okay. So here's the one thing that I noticed in the story is this theme of fear. So fear led Pharaoh to oppress the Israelites because he saw that they were growing in number and he was like, oh my gosh, this is just, they're getting to be too much, right? They're going to be too powerful of a people. Um, And then you've got fear from the midwives, um, but not like, they're, they're not fearing in an oppressive way. It's actually kind of like this freeing kind of way. Like they have the fear of God that, and they're not fearful of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is telling them, hey, when, when you go and you help deliver a baby, if it's a boy, kill it. And they're like, no, because they, they fear God. They know that that's wrong. So that fear of God actually kind of frees them up to say, actually, I know that that's wrong. So instead, I'm going to take action against this injustice I see of these, these baby boys being killed for no reason at all other than this ruler wanting to kind of like control uh, the population. You know what I mean? And so it's... I feel there's there's two different types of fear that's leading people to do something here. Yeah, that's that's super insightful. The, there's a there's a fear that leads to injustice, and there's a fear that leads to freedom. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, the the idea that we we get kind of weirded out by the idea of the fear of God, mm-hmm. and it, some part of it is because we think, well, isn't God loving? Isn't He kind? Like, should I, am I supposed to be afraid of Him? That doesn't feel very good. But the the reality is. Uh, when we talk about fear, what we're saying is, what what is weighty enough to make a difference in my life that could make or break it, right? Like you only fear things that you feel like could make or break your situation, right? And so if you're talking about fearing God, you're saying, this is the thing that I think will actually define me, shape me, make or break my situation, not this other thing. And so if you know the one that can make or break things... I fear him, the consequences of getting on his bad side. It's it does set you free. That's that's really I love that. Are you guys buying the excuse that they gave to Pharaoh and the fact that he bought it like <laughs> dude? It seems like Well uh, Well, we we we're trying, but these Hebrew women, like these babies just pop out like a Pez dispenser. <laughs> like we by the time we show up, the baby is already two years old. Like what? <laughs> Well, and it's 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 a uh, it's this sort of insult to the Egyptians. He's saying, "Well, you know, if you guys were as as you know as healthy and vigorous as the as the Hebrews, you know, these people that you're trying to oppress, you seem to be so much more powerful, right?" But you know, apparently, whatever was going on in that context, that that made ton of, a ton of sense. Because I was like, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> oh, I guess All so. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah." Um, another okay. So uh, another thing I, I observed here. Is and this is I think this is important for us to do, uh, especially if uh, you are uh, someone who does not experience a lot of um, injustice in your life. Sometimes we can miss this. It sort of feels like the background. 
but it's really important to pay attention to the different kinds of injustice that are going on here. Uh, you've got Pharaoh looking at a group of people and categorically saying to another ethnic group, I don't like you and I'm afraid of you and I want to control you. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's racism here. Then he enslaves them. So that's obviously slavery is an injustice. And then there's the added injustice of killing babies. That there's, there's this, we're going to, it's genocide, it's, it's, uh, it's infanticide, it's, it's killing of babies. Um, to not get too overt here, but we'll just make it overt. I mean, when you talk about what are the injustices in our society, a lot of people will talk about racism. A lot of people will talk about uh, systemic injustice. We also need to talk about abortion. There's, there's killing of children going on here. I, I think it's really interesting that when you look at the Bible, you see things that in our society, we split up. We say, you can care about this or you can care about that. But in this passage, things that people on one side of the spectrum and another side of the spectrum really care about, they both come up as the evils that are opposing God's purposes here. And I, I think that's really important for us to see. I was, um, I was reading a biography of Frederick Douglass um, you know, earlier this, uh, about six months ago. And it was interesting in there. It, it talked about how slave masters didn't want their slaves to learn how to read or have access to the Bible, even though they would come and bring preachers to them and, you know, preach from things like slaves obey your masters and weird verses that are, you know, misinterpreted. But they didn't want them to read this passage in particular. Like if you read the story of the Exodus, you might think it turns out God actually cares about the fact that I'm being oppressed because of what people group I belong to, that God, that, that God actually cares about this. And so this is actually one of those, those passages that's kind of explosive when you think about it, because it actually says, this isn't right, and God cares about it. Yeah, so let's read those verses again. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Yeah, yeah. When you're looking for truths about God, that is an incredible passage full of that. God heard, God remembered his covenant, God looked and was concerned about them. Those are the actions of God in this situation. You know, on the, on the reverse, on the, not the reverse side, the opposite side of that coin, if you think about Pharaoh, he's trying to just maintain his own power, Yeah, right? He's trying to maintain the status quo, which is oftentimes what happens when one group of people or one person is mistreating or oppressing another. It, it really, in very simple terms, goes no further than I have something and I don't want to lose it, and I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to other people to make sure that I maintain my power and my prestige and my, and my position. That's exactly what's going on here. I mean, it is perfectly described in Exodus chapter one and two, that that's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that that final uh, passage that we just looked at about what God hearing and, and remembering is a great place for us to, to stop and, mm-hmm. and do the, the M in comma meditation. Um, I, I want, I want to read that verse one more time. And I want that, that to be the thing that you ponder over the next 45 seconds here. Okay. When you think about what God did and what this means about him. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them.
All right, let's go to the second M in comma, message. How would you guys formulate a message from these passages? Wow, I thought I knew at the beginning of the podcast, but there's uh, there's two themes running through this. But the, the, fir- the first question that we asked at the beginning about connecting it back to Genesis yeah. made me think about the fact that the outworking of God's plan was continuing to happen, regardless of what outside pressure of circumstances might fight against that, right? So the people continue to uh, multiply. God told them they were going to be a great nation. He told them they were going to Egypt, and it was going to happen, and it's, and it's happening. So there's part of me that wants to say the message is, no matter what circumstances around look like or what's fighting against the purposes of God, ultimately it's the purposes of God that are going to prevail. Um, but then you went down the road of really looking at the oppression that was happening on the Israelites. So I'm battling in my head right now which <laughs> message I'm going to choose. So I will kick it over to Nikki and uh, I'll probably just uh, cruise along with whatever Nikki says. <laughs> well, very, I, I put it kind of very simple, but I, I, I thought it was a powerful truth is that God looks on us with concern and compassion. It comes right out of those, those, um, those verses that we just read. And I think like with whatever works experiencing in life, it's true, whether that's oppression that unfortunately, or, or some sort of sorrow that we, we bring on our own self of our sinful doing, or someone or some kind of circumstance beyond our control is, is oppressing us. Um, God is concerned for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's so the message that I put is the same idea. God hears our cries and cares about injustice. It's so important for us to know that he hears and he sees when we're in hard situations. What, what's interesting, though, is that the other thing that Eric picked up on is really important, and I actually think these are connected. It's not it's not two different messages. They're messages that work really well together, because when someone is in a, a really difficult situation or they see a situation in the world that they say, that isn't right, there are kind of two, you know, kind of attitudes that people take. On, on the one hand, some people will say, you got to cry out and be anguished about this. You need to lament. You need to lament. But on the other side, there'll be people who will say, no, have confidence in God, have faith, have hope, because God can fix this. He can address this. It's going to turn out all right in the end. And sometimes it'll feel like you've either got to choose between being, you know, kind of hopeless and pessimistic, but realistic about the situation, or kind of unrealistically optimistic and like, it's going to, it's okay. It's not a big deal. And you miss something. Because on the one hand, you don't say, this shouldn't be this way, and I, it, it should grieve me. But on the other hand, you don't say, God, is, God, God has the power to do this. So being able to combine hope and lament is actually really, really important. Those two things feed off of each other because you can both say, it's wrong, but that doesn't defeat me. And I have hope, and yet I'm not going to ignore the reality of the world. Yeah, so the frowny emoji and the smiley emoji go well together. It's like, hey, you're the, the commercial, who someone put chocolate in my peanut butter, and someone put peanut butter in my chocolate. It's a Reese's peanut butter cup commercial. Have you ever seen these commercials, Nikki? Is this another attempt at getting a sponsor? I was going to say, <laughs> no, I, I was thinking the same exact thing. No, it's not, but it's not a bad, it's not a bad idea, honestly, because the candy companies have a lot of money. Um, yeah, and, and track, tracking along with that, when injustice is happening, and you can look at it and you say, where's God? Why is he doing anything about this? All right, well, you think about the Israelites in Egypt. There was a lot of years that they were in Egypt. Um, and when you're talking to people about forgiveness, this is really helpful, hmm. too, because people have sometimes a hard time letting things go. 
But when you take people off of your hook and you put them on God's hook, right? And we were just talking about fear. Was it this episode we were talking about fear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we all face God one day, right? So nobody gets a pass, right? We might be forgiven, but nobody gets like this wink, wink, eh, it's not a big deal kind of thing from God. Um, so when you combine all of those messages, like God sees and he's concerned and God's purposes are always going forward and injustice is will be addressed, maybe not in the timetable we want it to be always, uh, but God sees it all and he's handling it all. Yeah, the, the, it's, there's actually a connection to the part that we skipped. There's the story of Moses in here. And at, at one point, he he's, he's become an adult and he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And so Moses says, I'm, I'm taking the things into my own hands and he kills the Egyptian and it does not go well with him. That's kind of, he has to run away because of this. But part of what's going on there is him saying, it's up to me to fix this in with my strategy and my way. He cared about the right thing, but he did not have yet that full picture of God's got a plan to deal with this and you, you can be a part of it. There's a, there's a role for you in that, but God's the one who, who can take care of that. There's that, that combination of lament, hope, and the action that that leads to. Isn't it always interesting when uh, when God always gets blamed on both sides? Like if, if God <laughs> if God if God brings justice and judgment, like we will accuse him of being mean. And if he waits and he's patient, where are you, God? Right. And so it, it seems like no matter which way it happens, we'll we'll accuse God of not being a good God. Um, but if you, we fast forward the story, we'll be reading through Exodus, right? And eventually we're going to see the Egyptians swallowed up in the Red Sea, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you say, oh, well, maybe they did get their comeuppance. Yeah. Yeah. You like that word, Nikki? Comeuppance? I do. I do. All right. Comeuppance. All right. Let's move to the A in comma application. How are you going to apply this? Um, I, I looked again, and we can keep reading these verses, but it's like verse 23 the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. This verse gives us permission, just like other areas in the Bible, especially the Psalms. It gives us permission to cry out to God about the things that we see in our world, in our lives, in the lives of uh, other people that even we don't even have any kind of connection to in our family or, or as we, you know, you watch the news, you see things that are going on in the world. Um, it gives us permission to bring those things to God and to trust Him to take care of them. Yeah, my application is going to be to uh, talk to God more about these types of things. Like yeah. you were talking about the the balance between uh, lament and uh, hopeful expectation, uh, because in any in any situation, it's it's honest to say God knew it before I knew it. He understands it more fully than I understand it. And he is able to handle it in a way that I am not. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk to the right person, which is God, about difficult situations, inequity, injustice, oppression, all of those things. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I've got very little to add other than I know for me, oftentimes I will focus on just the trouble I'm seeing, but ignore what's going on around me. And so I think... Um, being able to lament not just about when things are hard for me or people who are close to me, but looking at the world and saying, God sees this, God cares about this, God looks on this, hears it, do I? And so adding that to the things that I am crying out to God about. Well, friends, we can be very thankful that God hears our cries and he cares about injustice. Uh, So I hope that goes with you this week. 
just as we've been reflecting on these applications, uh, just be looking out for that stuff. Be thankful for those things. Uh, we also uh, just want to invite you to join us next Monday. Uh, in the meantime, again, if you are not following along with the reading plan, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Tell your friends, and we will talk to you next week.